I was 14 years old when we left the only home I had known. Our move to Marshall displaced our family into a new city filled with strangers. My parents, my middle school brother and young sister longed for the connection of place and people we had once known. One of our first Sundays here in Marshall, we visited a church with the word family on the sign and found family inside. We found a place and people that welcomed us, one that had room for us and many others. However, we were not the first to find home at Family Bible Church. In 1984, Family Bible Church started with another family that welcomed others into a place to be the church, to lead others to Jesus, to disciple and grow people, to be together and share life in Marshall. Family has been in the DNA and the heartbeat of our church. This is who we were, are, and will be into the future. Our church was and still is a place for people to meet Jesus and to be welcomed into a loving community. At Family Bible Church, we treasure our multi-generational gatherings of those who follow Jesus and encourage one another along the way. Look around on any given Sunday. We are striving to foster a strong foundation of faith and community to our young children, teens, adults, every age group, developing followers of Jesus to serve and reach one more. Physical space forms opportunities for us to grow and learn. From the dirt parking lot and the old sanctuary where hymns of praise and the word of God were preached to the education wing with classrooms built to encourage biblical understanding for children, teens, and adults. In the 90s, the congregation and leadership saw the need to add new sanctuary, nurseries, classrooms, and offices to welcome and serve more people, a place for the children and youth to have a space of their own. Now, we all know that church is not just brick and mortar. However, the space it provides for gathering prayer, worship, laughter, tears, and relationships cannot be underestimated. A building is just a structure until it's filled with people finding purpose, life, and meaning, ultimately finding Jesus. FBC has been a place where memories have been formed. Maybe you or your child encountered the saving power of Jesus here. Maybe you were dedicated, baptized, discipled, or you've developed friendships here. This place has been and will be home to the celebration of the birth of children, the beginning of marriages, and the tears of sorrow for many funerals. This place has given opportunity for the salvation of many, the discipleship of many more, and the opportunity to serve others locally and around the world in the name of Jesus. It is where community is formed. It's where Jesus is experienced. Um, at 80 Souls, we've been attending Family Bible Church for 28 years now. My brother Tom and his wife Denise attended Family Bible Church, and he was always um, talking very highly about Pastor Durton and Pam and just the um, the wonderful atmosphere and the teaching that took place there. It kind of helped having the name family in it. And we had a, uh, our first daughter, Brittany, was two at that time. So that played in part of it that we wanted to have her grow up in a church where um, she was being fed and 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, just the friendliness and the hospitality that everybody showed. There's a lot of prayer warriors that attend our church. Um, uh, and when people say, I'm gonna pray for you, I really feel that they are praying, I can feel them. You're going through some of the health stuff. Yeah, and just how amazing it's been to have people come up to you. I mean, you can feel prayers people. But to have so many people, let them let it, they know, hey, we've been praying for you, asking how you're doing. It's just, it's kind of overwhelming to, to, to feel the prayers that way. And I, the people of our church have been so awesome. Um, it's a, a day doesn't go by where I'm not giving you thanks for that. Well, in May is when I had this first um, kind of a minor stroke and it was kind of scary to go through that. I did not, um, they located a, a large aneurysm and I'm like, looking all up, what is an aneurysm and what can happen? And they can burst and there's bad things that can happen from it. But they said that they wanted to do the stent procedure that was gonna take place in June. So from that period of May 5th until June 30th, it was, it was a little scary and I really, really uh, needed God big time through that. I mean, Psalms talks about how God gives us um, strength to deal with stuff like that and peace. And the prayers, the people of our church uh, just helped with that as well. Um, but I, I truly felt um, God's strength and peace through that. And a heightened perspective of having, uh, of being in awe of God and reverence for Him, just the deepest respect uh, because of experience. I give thanks to Him, um, but also His faithfulness for answer to prayer because I don't I, I fully believe if it wasn't for Janine she talked a little bit about I don't know all the story but she talked about how often she prayed that night and I it was kind of probably, probably a pretty horrible night for her to endure that um, there again that God being so faithful got her through that I know I've said it but I can't I just feel like it needs to be repeated how a blessing it is to be long family Bible church. Um, the people of our church and the love, the leadership um, from our pastors, the servant, the volunteers that um, have been so faithful in giving of their time. And I just think that uh, the fact that we are a church that prays uh, means, means, means so much to people. And it, it's, it's how we get through the challenges we have in life. I mean, I think if you don't, if you don't have prayer in your life, or if, I just think you don't have any hope with it. And it's gotta be a struggle for people that don't have that or don't know it. So I think just the fact that the um, church that focuses on the right thing, that's God. Uh, my name's Jose been at FBC for almost three years. I grew up in a Catholic church, used to be an altar boy. Then the teenage years came, didn't go to church. <laughs> I wasn't getting anything out of it. I was being spoken down to, said it's spoken to. That's why I like FBC, it's, 
the way it comes across, it's not um, it's not a ritual. That I don't have to wear a sign around my neck that says I'm broken. Um, someone every Sunday, handshake, hello, how are you? Um, just people genuinely care. And that's unusual. I stayed at FBC because it's family. I'm a family-oriented man. Um, I care a lot about the church. I want to do all I can. And it's my safe haven. It's it's just a safe place for me. I feel comfortable. I can be me. I was in a real dark place for a long time. To the point where um, I didn't want to live another day. But two years later, three years later, here I am. Come a long way, but I have a long way to go. <laughs> I am living proof that there is hope. That I've been, I found a home that people care. A lot of people just give up too quick. I went through that. Um, the church has given me hope, which sometimes that's all I need to get through the day. You know, you hear a lot about church, but you don't hear the good things till you witness it. Every church I've gone, I've sat in the back pew, last row, just wanted to be a brick in the wall. Um, I look forward to church every Sunday now. Um, seem like a lot of the sermons are meant for me. They hit home. Um, hear them on Sundays and Put them into practice on Mondays. There is life after misery. Um, there's going to be a lot of storms, but you live. And it was a struggle going on the, on the dark days. At least I got an hour of light. Um, no, it's, it's not so dark. Wish things were better, but that's for tomorrow. His glory's got to be shown in my problems somewhere, somehow. Today, we have the opportunity to continue to build upon what others have committed to and invested in. Their giving and our future giving will outlive all of us and continue to impact generations here in Marshall and around the world. Many were faithful before us, and now it's our turn. As a church, we are going to step into a three-year commitment called our Forward Initiative, where we will be challenged and stretched to move forward in the mission to complete the building project that we began discussing and planning over 10 years ago. Our building will have space in the large hub gathering lobby area where we will see the formation of community and the healing conversations before and after services over coffee from the coffee shop. We will build a kitchen, imagine meals, functions, and events during the week filled with laughter and stories while building relationships. We will build a large indoor playground open to the community during the week, year-round, 
where children make new friends, and so does mom and dad and grandma and grandpa with others who've come together. Where these small conversations can lead to big conversations of faith. We will also build a space for our middle school and high school students in Marshall and the surrounding communities, who in recent years have met in our lobbies, sanctuary, and various rooms. They'll have a dedicated place to call their own where they can welcome their friends from their neighborhood or school to encounter Jesus for the first time. This building will also create a secure space where our children of all ages can learn about Jesus and develop new friendships on Sunday mornings at Awana and each summer at VBS. We envision ministries and groups of all ages from the church and community gathering together during the week where strangers become friends and ultimately families we follow Jesus together. We are asking each person to make two ongoing sacrificial commitments as we build forward toward tomorrow. First, we ask you for a sacrificial relational commitment for you to have a one. This person is one who's not currently walking with Jesus, local to our community, you rearrange your life to spend time with them and you pray for them and intentionally invest in them. Your one may be someone that will enter our expanded space and find God through relationship, teaching, and community. Second, we ask you for a sacrificial financial commitment towards this project. This will be a reoccurring financial gift over the next three years, or maybe you wanna lead with a one-time gift along with your, your reoccurring financial gift. We are trusting the Lord to allow us to reach our goal of $750,000 over the next three years. The Lord has given this church, us, the resources to make this happen. And many of you have been faithful givers in the previous years. And these ongoing financial gifts have laid the foundation and been a catalyst to create momentum for this opportunity. If this is you, thank you. And for others, it'll be your first time to make a sacrificial commitment towards helping us move forward in the mission of the church. In this season of change, people are extremely hungry for connection and community. They are actively seeking and we want them to find relationships here with you, but most importantly, Jesus. And God wants to use all of us and you can be a part. See, we've found family here. We've grown as followers of Jesus and we call this place home. Yet there's so much more family out there and we wanna make room for them as well. I was welcomed when I was 14 years old because there was space and place for our family. And it forever changed my life. And I know many of you have been impacted and changed as well. We desire this reality for others to have space and place and relationships too, where they are forever changed by Jesus. Will you join me as we grow our family forward? Thanks for your attention with that video. Over the last uh, two weeks, we had eight different vision gatherings where over 150 adults and teenagers gathered and we talked about the why we're doing this. Many of you were there and I just wanna say thank you for that. Going into these meetings, I, I knew the why, but it was only more firmly uh, cemented uh, in my mind of why we're doing this after hearing stories. I mean, we heard from Randy and Jose and if you were at a gathering, you also heard from Elena's, which we'll all hear again here in the, the near future. Uh, but we heard these stories, and then many of you shared how you have been impacted, how your life has been changed. These were hands down my favorite moments of these gatherings, just seeing the life change. 
Because it is about people. The why is about people, and it's ultimately about Jesus. That's why we're doing this. Two weeks ago, we watched a testimony from Pastor and Pam Gurton, our founders of this church. And one of the things Pam said is that it looks like it's all so easy. I mean, you come in here, we have service, you're in and out. There's different events for kids and youth and adults throughout the, the month. But she said it took so much work. It was hard work. And there's many people who sacrificed, who by faith took steps out in order to lay the foundation that we stand upon here today. And so what I'm about to share in this next moment, if you're visiting with us, you can just go la, 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 la. I mean, you can listen in. But this is really for people who call this place home. This is your church. This is where you're committed. This is where you're growing. This is where you're invested. And so this is really for you. Is next week is Commitment Sunday, May 15th. We've been talking about this for a number of weeks, of heading towards this day. I've asked you to pray about this day, to participate uh, along the way, asking God to refine your heart, and then ultimately to commit. And this is May 15th, which is next week. And so I wanna invite all of you to come next week, whether you are um, new, visiting, been here for a long time, whether you're eager to participate or whether you're saying, no way, not a chance in the world. Um, I invite you to come, because uh, it's gonna be a Sunday where it's one of those marked type of moments um, for us as a church history. And this week, if you're on our mailing list, you're gonna be receiving a letter, and you're also gonna be receiving a commitment card, and we're gonna ask you to pray over this And if you're not on our mailing list, uh, if you'd like one of these cards, we'll have one available. Um, You can fill out a card for a mailing list, but we'll also have cards available next week. Is to pray over this, of of who is your one? And so we're asking you, like, who is that person that you're praying for, that you're walking through life with? And um, if you have multiple people in your household, you may have multiple ones. And so just put the first name there. And then what is your financial commitment over the next three years? To pray over that. And then we're gonna have these cards, and as part of the service, we are gonna lay them before the Lord. And so... As we've gone through this campaign so far, as we're in week three of six, I'm at the point now where I have zero doubt about the possibility of us seeing more people come to Christ, more people return to their walk with Jesus than ever before. I have zero doubt. I'm watching it happen. I'm hearing stories already. But it's one of the things of, well, will we make that effort? Will we be intentional about our ones? And the same thing about the campaign goals financially. I have zero doubt that this church has the ability to fund the goal that we saw up there plus all the extra that it's gonna take. I have zero doubt. It's just whether or not we are gonna do that, and that's myself included, whether or not we are gonna take that step of faith that we talked about last week. And so today what I wanna do is is I wanna talk about something that I think will make all the difference. And not just in what we're talking about here, but in life too, and it's a mindset we have. So I'm gonna invite us to turn to Luke 12, and then also to hold 2 Corinthians 9. Now, these will be on the screen as well, but if you'd like to turn there on a device or uh, your Bible, you're welcome to do that. Luke 12 and 2 Corinthians 9. And as you turn there, last weekend I was able to uh, go visit my nephew and my sister and brother-in-law, and our family was able to spend some time with them. And uh, at one point during the weekend, my sister was playing a game with her son, Brayden, and Parents, I'm sure you've done this just like we did. This was the game they were playing. He's about a year old. Is where's your nose? Braden does this, right? Where's your ears? He does this. Okay, so we get the concept of the game. It's really complex. Now I'm gonna ask you to participate. Ready? Can we do this? Where's your head? All right, where's your heart? Where's your hands? 
All right, good job. So we know where our head and our heart and our hands are. And so what I'm going to share with you in about the next 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, is something that's going to get stuck in your head or your heart or your hands. And it's one of the things that we want to make sure it's flowing through us. Because we can just get it in our head and we can just think on it and think on it and think on it, or we can shift it into our heart and allow it to start to really be a prayerful reality where we can be transformed by it. Or it can get stuck in our hands of like, I know I should do something, but I don't want to. But it's really got to flow out of us from our head to our heart to our hands to beyond us. And so I want you to consider as I share these things and even what you've heard so far of like, where is it getting stuck or is it moving through me? So first we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Some words of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not store, excuse me, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such, all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus' message here is, don't worry, I've got you taken care of. Look at all the fields, how, how the flowers are thriving. Look at the birds, how they have food. Don't you worry, because you're more important than birds and flowers. And I would read this passage, and there's still times in my life where I read this passage, and this is my thought, and maybe you can relate, is, wow, Jesus, that's really nice, but that's not very practical. Right? Have you been there? Maybe just as you read that, you're thinking about the bills you have to pay, a health concern, um, just realities in your life. You're like, that's really great wisdom and neat, but I can't apply it to my life. Well, Jesus has something to say to this, is that this is, this is what I believe will make all the difference in how we move forward in life, is a certain mindset we have that Jesus is getting at. And there is a mindset that we operate in often, and there's a mindset that Jesus is teaching. Paul also picked up on the same mindset when he called us to have the mind of Christ, to think a certain way. And so there's really two mindsets that we can have. And first, it's the mindset of abundance or the mindset of scarcity. These are radically different mindsets that we live within. See, the, the mindset of scarcity it causes anxiety and worry in my life and quite possibly in yours. Because maybe there's not enough. Or maybe God doesn't know what my needs are. And maybe, maybe I need to collect things. Maybe I need to store up things and make piles because God says, yeah, don't worry about the food you're going to eat, but I've got my pantry full. I've got my refrigerator full. You know what? Maybe... Maybe I just need to, to keep all this stuff in case there's some day where God's not paying attention to what I need. Then I'll have enough. See, we sometimes worry that God doesn't know what we need. 
He's not attentive to what's going on in our life. And so we have this scarcity mindset where we worry. However, Jesus is talking about a mindset of abundance, that everything that we have, everything we need is within his control, that he owns it all, that he is the one that freely gives to us. And when we have an abundant mindset versus a scarcity mindset, we will be more generous when we realize that it's all God's anyway, that he is the one of abundance. He is the one who gives. And we need to look no further than the first pages of Scripture, that God creates and he is a generous creator. He provides everything that is needed. There are an overabundance of resources, opportunities, and potential. There's more than enough. And he invites Adam and Eve to be cultivators of what is given to them. God created, and he said, go, Adam and Eve, take, enjoy, be, because there's an abundance. But what did they operate in? They operated in the scarcity mindset of there's not enough. And so what happened, it took Adam and Eve from cultivators to consumers. They began to consume when sin entered the picture. Instead of gratitude for what God had given them, sin caused them just to grab and be greedy. This is mine, the scarcity mindset. Last year, I was invited to a pastor's retreat, and there's about 15 of us together. And we walked into, I guess you could call it a house. It was enormous. And it was just beautiful, and my reaction was, wow, when we walked in. And so as I walked in, the host greeted me, and you know, I said, hey, so I'm glad you're here. Let me take you to your junior suite. And I'm like, what is a junior suite? But let's go. That sounds good. So I walked into this just enormous, beautiful room, and the bathroom was massive, and it had all the toiletries I could possibly need for that retreat. And then he led me out into the main room, and he's like, hey, all this coffee and tea and drinks, whatever you want here, it's going to be there, and I'm going to give you more if you need it. And then he walked into the kitchen and said, these are all the snacks. Take what you want, and we'll just keep refilling it. There's plenty here. Eat whatever you want. And here, and he opens the refrigerator, and it is this enormous refrigerator packed full of whatever drink is possibly wanted. And he said, take whatever you want. We'll continue to refill this. He said, all the meals are provided. You're going to have way too much food, and it's going to be so great. And the meals for 15 of us, they, they could have fed three times the amount of the people that were there. And so this is what I did when I got there, and I saw that. And I went, and I grabbed, started grabbing some drinks, and I took them to my junior suite. And then I went out there, and I took snacks, and I took it back to my junior suite. And then that evening, you know, when, like, the, the Italian dish came, I grabbed one of the trays, and I took it back to my junior suite. And the next morning, there was eggs, and I'm like, I'm going to take some eggs, and I took it back to my junior suite. And I'm like, just in case the host is not trustworthy, and he's not going to give me more, I'm going to keep this for later. Now, I didn't really do that, right? That would just be really odd. You're like, that Chris guy, he's odd. I didn't do that, so I did not take it. But here's the thing, I trusted my host when I walked in. And sure enough, we would take whatever it is from the snacks or the food or the drinks, and it would be refilled. I got to a point that weekend where I'm like, hey, anybody want anything to drink? Some snacks? I'm bringing it. It wasn't mine, but it was mine to share. Like, I could take that and I could share that. I could give it. And see, what happened is I trusted my host at this retreat. But often, I don't trust the host, God, who's invited me to the life that I walk into. 
think, okay, yeah, yeah, I think, I think he's generous. I think he's trustworthy. I think there's more than enough. But just in case, I'm going to hold back. I wonder. When I walk with scarcity, I hold on to things that I think are mine. But when I live with abundance, knowing that it's God that gives them to me, I'm freely going, like, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. And this is not something that comes naturally for me, not even close. I still battle with this. My wife, she is like, here, world, have whatever. She just gives it away. She's generous. That's her nature. That's her mom's nature. They just give. And I'm like, oh, do you really want to give that? Are you sure? Like, my heart is still being refined almost 20 years later. We're learning, we're growing, and every week I struggle with this mindset between scarcity and abundance. Is that, is there enough? Yes, I trust God. Is there enough? Yes, I trust God. This back and forth that, that maybe you can relate to as well. The struggle. But we see Jesus pointing to a God who's generous, who is generous at creation, who gave all that we needed, and also generous on the cross giving his one and only son. 2 Corinthians 8, it says this. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. It's through Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross that we have access to the Father who owns it all. Jesus emptied himself out so that we could have life and life to the abundant. Now, that doesn't always look like material goods. Don't mishear me by any means. I mean, we can just look throughout history. We can look at Jesus, and it wasn't about material goods. But Jesus continued to say things like, it is more blessed to give than receive. And the word blessed here means happy. He's saying you're going to be a whole lot happier if you're giving instead of just receiving. Like, I like to receive things. Don't get me wrong. But it's a different level of happiness when we give to others. See, generosity is ultimately what I'm talking about here, is this generous God, this God of abundance. And when we lean into this generosity, it deepens our trust with God. It creates a freedom within us that we think our things and our financial realities will give to us. We think that's freedom, but it's really bondage. It deepens our trust and our gratitude, it allows us to enjoy ordinary pleasures a whole lot more. It causes our heart to view money in a different way. It makes our world more just. It blesses other people, and it causes the gospel and the church to grow. And ultimately, it sets our heart free. Would you flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? There's a passage I asked you to hold earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul wrote these words, starting in verse 6 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. He said, remember this because he knew we would forget. He knew we would battle back and forth with this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I want you to hear this loud and clear. Everything that I've been saying and have said and will say is nothing about guilt and shame. It is nothing about compulsion. 
the idea is, is that we grow as disciples of Jesus. We become more like him. We have this heart of abundance because we serve an abundant God. There's no guilt or shame. And, and Paul's pointing here saying, like, like, you need to be a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here Paul's saying, hey, God's gonna give you what you need. We looked last week at the provision that God gives to us, that God is one who is present, who provides, who is powerful. God provides for us, and, and what Paul's encouraging, that he's gonna provide for us so we can be generous, and then ultimately people will give thanks to God. We'll give thanks to God for this. He said, remember this. All right, so let's check in real quick here. Remember, where's your head? Where's your heart? Where's your hands? Where is this landing? Is it getting stuck anywhere? And why is it getting stuck there? What is the resistance? What is, what is the, the, the holdback? And these are honest questions you should be asking, not ashamed of these questions, but like if it's just stuck here, why? Wrestle with that and pray over that. It's stuck here, wrestle with it, pray over it. It's stuck here, wrestle with it, pray over it. It's God who changes our heart. Now as I mentioned early on, Next week is Commitment Sunday. And it's what we've been moving towards. And so I want to give you just five encouragements here, very briefly, of how to prepare for this next week. And if you throw those up on the screen, I want you to prepare by praying. That's something we've been saying every single week, is pray. So, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to? God, show me what I, who that person is, what that gift could be. How can I be obedient to you? Again, it's not about me. It's not about the church. It's what is it God is calling you to? Second thing is give it time and space. Is be very intentional this week about this. Is, is find a measured way or like a reminder of, of oh yeah, I want to pray about that today. Set an alarm on your phone or whatever it may be or when you get up in the morning, give that time to pray about this in that space. If you have a spouse or a family, Talk about it with them. Talk about giving. Talk about why. What does the Bible have to say about giving? And you can do this on your own as well. And here's a start on a couple passages uh, on giving and the heart that Scripture has to say about giving. Um, and if those aren't enough, there's about 2,000 other verses in Scripture about wealth and money and giving. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. There's, there's well over 2,000 more passages because when the Lord knew that this would be stronghold for us. The fourth way to prepare, besides praying, giving time and space, talking, studying scripture, is who is that one? Who's that person and, and what is that pledge? Really start to zero in on what that is. And then the last thing is to consider Celebration Sunday. On May 29th, we're going to gather together and we're going to celebrate uh, the number of ones that we are intentionally praying for, what is pledged towards this. Again, it's not about a building. It's about the people. It's about Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that together. So to pray about that Sunday, what could that look like? What will that look like? 
I want to close with this thought. In Scripture, we're called not to test God. But there's one time where God says, test me. One time in Scripture, God says, test me. And you can only imagine what he's saying, test me about. It's in light of what we talked about. It's in light of the mindset of abundance or the mindset of scarcity. It's about, is God generous or not? And this is what Malachi chapter 3 says, as Israel has turned from God, has focused on themselves, and they're returning to God, and God says, this is, this is how you're going to return to me. It says this, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God's like, you don't believe me? Try me. Test me. And then here it comes. See, when it comes to giving, when it comes to stewarding, when it comes to having an abundant heart, it's not about getting. That's not the motivation. Again, it's about having the heart to serve Jesus. Having the heart to see God do a work. That blessing is just the overflow that's spoken about. So, what's your view of God? What's my view of God? One who operates in scarcity or abundance? What do I do with my things that I've been given to steward? Do I, do I hoard it and keep it? Or am I generous? What does this look like? And these are things for all of us to pray on, to discuss, to wrestle with. And so I want to close with this psalm. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. They're going to, we're going to sing a song before we, we close out. As they come, I want to read these words from Psalm 112. The psalmist wrote these words. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. And in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. So merciful Father, Lord, we give you thanks for the abundance of life that you have given to us. You have given us not only life, but life to the full. It's abundance, it's generosity. And so Lord, as we seek to follow after you, God, refine our hearts and refine our minds. And Lord, may we be people, God, who are generous. God, in always, not just in light of what we're talking about with forward here, but generous as human beings in the schools and workplaces and neighborhoods and families. Lord, thank you that you have entrusted us with what you have. So Lord, may we be faithful. God, ultimately, as we walk in your blessing, the blessing of Christ, the blessing of forgiveness of sins, the blessing of restored relationship. Lord, a change from sinner, Lord, to saved. 
resting in your righteousness. God, you have transformed us. And Lord, you're calling us closer to your heart again and again. So Lord, may we continue to walk faithfully with you. Lord, we love you. Thank you.